On today's episode, I'm answering all of your Run Smarter questions. Welcome to the Run Smarter podcast, the podcast helping you overcome your current and future running injuries by educating and transforming you into a healthier, stronger, smarter runner. If you're like me, running is life, but more often than not, injuries disrupt this lifestyle. And once you are injured, you're looking for answers and met with bad advice and conflicting messages circulating the running community. The world shouldn't be like this. You deserve to run injury-free and have access to the right information. That's why I've made it my mission to bring clarity and control to every runner. My name is Brody Sharp. I am a physiotherapist, a former chronic injury sufferer, and your podcast host. I am excited that you have found this podcast and by default become the Run Smarter Scholar. So let's work together to overcome your injury, restore your confidence, and start spreading the right information back into your running community. So let's begin today's lesson. Thanks for joining me, Run Smarter Scholars. Let's pull up our questions for today. Um, we're going to be spreading this into two episodes. If you're following my posts on social media, asked for some questions for this episode, and I did give preference to those who uh, recorded their questions, um, and they just did that through the link that they can find. Uh, it was either, if you're looking at it on Facebook, there was just a, a link in the post, if you're on Instagram, there's a link in my Insta bio. Pretty much just press the link, um, press down record. You can record your question and hear it back. If you don't really like how you sounded or what was said, you can just record it again. It just asks if you want to repeat the recording. And then it just sends to me, it goes to my inbox and I can use it for the content. And so I think, especially, well, I did say for this Q&A episode, and for the one um, that I've got scheduled for next week, uh, I have been preferencing those who submitted those um, voice clips rather than just typing it out, which I think you'll agree it's a better experience hearing from listeners and hearing them submit their questions rather than me just reading it out. Um, so I have nine questions. I'll be spreading it into two episodes and I I'm in the process of batching episodes because I'm going on annual leave. <laughs> I don't do it too often and it will be good to have some downtime. I am still, while I'm on annual leave, I'll still be seeing my current caseload who are sort of in between physio packages of working together. But in terms of new clients, um, I won't be able to see new clients during that time. Like if you go to my calendar to book in for a new package or just to be seen as a consult, then you won't be able to, um, my two weeks will be blocked out. I'm going interstate traveling with my girlfriend. Um, we're going to do some hikes and see some national parks and that sort of stuff. So looking forward to that, but it does mean that I'll have to schedule things out. So I've scheduled a few weeks in advance. Next week, we're going to have the next Q and A episode. The week after that, I'm going to have a success story for you. The week after that, uh, yesterday, yesterday, I talked to Mark Zertica from E3 Rehab and we talked about uh, five myths about getting scans or imaging. And just a couple of hours ago, I had a talk to Andrea who we've done a, a shoe Q&A and I opened up that question to the patrons and they've submitted their shoe questions and Andrea did a fantastic job of 
answering those. So that's what's down the pipeline for the next couple of weeks. But for now, let's dive into our questions. Uh, we'll dive into question number one from Kim. How would you combat the fear of getting back into running after a, a major surgery or a major injury? Thanks for submitting your question, Kim. Um, so we're talking about returning from an injury or a major injury or major surgery. I should start by mentioning that when it comes to returning, that we look at the functional restoration of the injury. So we talk about making sure that the injury or whatever um, body area we're talking about has the adequate strength, endurance, power, range of movement, um, especially if it's post-operative. Um, want to make sure all of those are restored to sort of meet the demands of running before you start running. Uh, for example, if you have a total knee replacement, then restoring that knee range of movement is pretty key, especially, I guess, restoring to full function and strength before we actually get back into running. But Kim's specific question was a little bit different, asking you how we combat the fear. So if there's any sort of anxiety or worry about returning to running, especially like she said, uh, surgery or major injury, or I would say a chronic injury or something that keeps resurfacing, that can spark a lot of fear and worry and people can lose a lot of confidence. So great question. Let's talk about combating the fear. I think this starts with having the right education. So I guess, um, reading blogs, um, podcast episodes, YouTube videos, just trying to find people you trust. Um, hopefully you trust this podcast and the guests that I have on, but the education around that surgery, the recovery, um, what the expectations are moving forward, understanding that the injury might have certain healing timeframes or limitations, restrictions that you put on yourself, um, these sort of things need to be laid out and you need to have a, a candid discussion with a health professional about what that process looks like. Um, also, I guess if you do have a fear, it's probably worth discussing with your health professional, like where that fear comes from. Like, do you have a fear of pain? Do you have a fear of a flare up? Do you have a fear of like it just resurfacing or another injury coming up? Do you have a fear of not being able to return back to full function, a fear of not being able to race again, like addressing what the fear actually is or where that's coming from can then help deliver the right information. So maybe that just requires a bit of um, self-reflection because some people may have this anxiety, but not sure where that anxiety is coming from. So making sure we sort of unravel that a little bit. <clears throat> but like I said, understanding that it might take some time to heal might have some limitations for a while or some restrictions like speed or hills or um, certain types of shoes. We might have caps on those things. Um, and I guess the main thing, or well, some other things I have written down is understanding the possibility of pain, learning about some pain might be okay. It, this will depend on the injury. And I think we'll talk a little bit more about pain in a second. But if you have fear of doing a deadlift or a squat or um, just going for a jog and you have a bit of pain in that area, that pain might be normal. That pain might be necessary for the recovery, but it also might not. This is where the discussion needs to be had about how severe the, the pain can be, um, the 
characteristics of that pain, finding out what's acceptable, what's not acceptable, because someone can have a lot of fear about returning to running and every time they go for a run, it, it like creates some pain and that sparks fear and they stop doing it altogether. But sometimes a little bit of that discomfort might be okay. The same thing about a conversation about flare-ups. Um, flare-ups, you know, there's always a risk of flare-ups if you're pushing yourself, pushing the envelope in your rehab or your return to running. Hopefully it's not a severe flare-up that lasts several days. Hopefully it's only just a 12 to 24 hour thing. But, you know, having a conversation with your health professional about what's the likelihood of a flare-up and if a flare-up does happen, what do we do about it? What's our, um, how do we counteract it? Or what's our contingency plan for a flare-up? And I have had, I've done episodes with flare-ups in the past, but this is a, a good conversation to have. I think about 50%, maybe more, of my clients that I see have some sort of flare-up, as mild as they may be. But I like to explain to them, this is because we sort of want to push the boundaries. We sort of want to test out your limitations and see where that is because that's where we learn how much we can push. That's where we learn where your ceiling is. And hopefully when we do push, we've only just pushed that minute amount to cause that flare up. And because we've only pushed it just that little bit, it's only flared up for one day or less and you're back to baseline. And then we say, okay, this is your... We know that's where that ceiling is. Let's back off a little bit, train within that next step back for a few days or a week before we then push on. It's a it's the process. And if that conversation isn't hasn't been talked about or hasn't been had, a flare-up, even if it does last 24 hours, can spark a lot of fear and say, no, I'm doing the wrong thing. Let me scratch it all together. Let me, um, what I'm doing isn't working. I'll have two weeks off and then I'll start back into it and... So like I said, the education side of things is really important. The next thing I want to talk about on this question is that a slow, steady progression uh, to, will build up your confidence alongside the strength. So when it comes to rehab, I guess let's just use, a, I said a total knee replacement before, so let's just go with that. Uh, you might be scared of returning to running. You might be fearful because of the, the major surgery that was done. Um, it's pretty extensive afterwards, you know, a lot of pain, a lot of stiffness, a lot of time to get back to a full function. And so it's understandable that returning to running might spark a lot of fear. And so what we do in rehab is we build up the strength and we slowly return you to something quite functional. But if those steps are taken at the right moments and taken gradually enough, then it builds up your confidence alongside that. It's sort of like your confidence will rise concurrently with your strength. So not jumping straight back into running because that will spark the fear. If you start with walking, if you have this total knee and you start with walking around the block, do you have a fear about walking around the block? If you do, then we might need to start less than that. But if you're confident with walking around the block, let's do that once you realize that you're confident and capable of doing that, let's walk faster. Let's then walk maybe fast, but uphill. Let's, once you're capable of doing that, let's try jogging on the spot for 15 seconds. And 
each little step that I describe shouldn't really be that threatening. If I can run, if I can walk quite fast up a hill, I could probably jog on the spot for 15 seconds. Then that jog on the spot turns into 60 seconds. Then that can turn into double leg jumping on the spot. Just double leg jumping for 20 seconds and then build that up to 60 seconds. Can that turn into single leg jumping? And I would say single leg jumping is probably, you'd probably go from double leg jumping into a walk run program. I think single leg jumping is probably a little bit um, greater in terms of demand, but then you just start a very gradual run walk program. We can take this as slow as you want, but hopefully you can recognize that that next step in the progression is not threatening because that previous successful step was great. And we're slowly bridging the gap between to where you are and running. So hope that makes sense. The confidence will build up alongside the increase in strength. Thanks once again for asking that question, Kim. Just quickly chiming in here to let you scholars know, I have just updated my five-day injury prevention challenge. This is one email per day for five days, learning new concepts and diving into the science on how you can reduce your risk of injury. The sign-up link is in the show notes, so fill in your details and I'll be waiting for you in email number one tomorrow. Let's hear now from Art. Hi Brody, my name is Art Jackson. I'm from Chicago, USA. Uh, 49-year-old male, just started running a year ago, hadn't, hadn't run since I was in school, jumped right in, got injured pretty quickly, got better, got injured again. Um, pushed myself very hard, um, just finished the season with the Chicago marathon. And, uh, I would, um, ashamedly say I did run with pain. Um, this is my first day back, uh, after nearly two weeks of not running question is how do I get out of this never ending pain cycle? My hips feel trashed, lingering inside ankle pain. I need to get out of this cycle. Uh, I need to get better. How do I do it? Welcome, Art. You know, first year into running. Welcome to the sport. Uh, I know you have been very active on the, the Run Smarter channels, so thanks for getting involved and thanks for being such a fan. Um, your question, it's hard to answer in real detail without knowing the specifics, without knowing like how your marathon has built up, where you're going from here, but I do have a fair bit of information for you. First of all, my flags are already raised when you say this is your first year. You're going from injury to injury and you just completed a marathon. So a lot of people can respect that if you haven't been running, if you, you know, you said, I think it was um, since high school. So quite a while without running. I would say to prepare for a marathon, you probably need to be a little bit more patient. Sometimes it takes a couple of years to build up that particular process. Uh, some people can do it in less than a year, but their body will tell them whether or not they're capable. Um, but your body has told you that you're not capable because like you said, you've gone from injury to injury and maybe a bit more patience is required. But a few things to reflect on, reflect on throughout the marathon and moving forward. The big ones are what your effort levels are like with your running. Um, if you wanted, or if you haven't already, uh, I had a chat with Matt Fitzgerald about AT20 running and 
this rule is just a, a blanket statement and sort of like a golden rule, but can require a little bit of fluctuation here and there, but essentially means that 80% of your overall running should be dedicated to really easy running, really easy effort levels. And some people get this rule. Some people understand it, but they're still after understanding it, their slow, easy runs are still too fast. So potentially um, you can dive into that, dive into that particular ratio to see if that's what you've gravitated towards. If it is more 50-50 or if it's, you know, I've seen the opposite. I've seen 80% of people's intensity is um, too much. Have a look, um, have, a, have a dive into that. I did have a success story as well. Chad Miller, it was, um, Chad Miller's training plan, uh, if you want to search that. I had an injury chat with him and very similar story, injury to injury. And I showed him my training plan and sort of how I formulated it. He took that from my injury chat, applied it and had tremendous success. And so got him on to tell his story. So Art, if you haven't listened to that episode, I recommend you go back to it. I can't remember the episode number or like whereabouts it was, but if you just cite, if you type into the episode or podcast directory, run smarter, Chad Miller, it, it would pop up straight away. So intensity, yes. Um, mileage, uh, the buildup of mileage is another thing to pay attention to. So preparing for your marathon or during your injuries, have you, was your mileage too much? And you can use, I guess, listening to your body, what symptoms are like to, to I guess, accurately interpret if your mileage was acceptable or not. My guess is that probably the effort levels were mismatched because like you said in your question, you're sort of just like um, train too hard, self-confessed, train too hard. So maybe that's probably the first thing to look at. If you do decide to start getting into peak training and high mileage stuff, because we're going back to your question, how do I get out of this never-ending pain cycle? Um, I would say have a look at your recovery methods, uh, have a look at the sleep and stress and nutrition um, are all green. They're, they're all ticked and making sure they're all okay. But all, the, the, the thing that you can do is just listen to your body throughout your training and reflect that, pay attention to that and adapt your training plan to what your body's telling you. Because like you said, you've gone from injury to injury. You've sort of trained yourself into the ground. You know, you've got sore hips and like all these sorts of things are just happening. Your body's telling you you're doing too much. Your body's telling you you need to change something. So maybe just take the the sensible approach. If you if you're a bit discouraged and saying, how am I ever going to get out of this never ending pain cycle? Trust me, if you take the sensible approach, if you build a base starting from like an embarrassingly slow, embarrassingly low mileage, listen to your body and build up from there, you'll have success. I've talked to a ton of runners who say, I'm just injury prone. I'm just destined to be injured. Maybe running isn't for me. Will I always just get injured every time I train for a marathon? We look at, we analyze their training and it's out of balance. Like with those intensity, mileage, recovery, something. And if they're sensible and they're patient, things start falling into place. Um, give yourself credit. You know, this is the first year of your running. Um, probably a fair bit to learn, but I think patience is one of the key things. Um, but the other thing is not to get too carried away when things start feeling good. I get this all the time when I chat with runners. And if you're listening now, listen to this. If you're recovering from an injury, 
if you have one good week or two good weeks, don't just throw yourself back into old habits. I'm sorry, but if I have to roll my eyes at one thing that my clients do, it is when they are injured, they're happy to take the patient approach. They recognize it. They're in pain. They're just like, I just want to get out of pain. I want to be back to pain-free running. Then they have one good week of recovery and they're looking at races. They're looking at signing up for a 10K, signing up for a marathon. Brody, is this okay? Should we jump to this? And I just have to pull them back and look back on the last week and say, you've only had one good week. Let's string these together. Let's turn this good week into a good month before we even discuss races. Um, Because, you know, I I love that people are so excited about running. I love that they're passionate and wanting to get into races, the feeling that being in a race is. But just recognize this is, you're jumping back into old habits. Because if you did have a good week, run too hard and too fast and that injury come back, you're going to be kicking yourself. And you're going to be going through that same discouraging, pessimistic sort of outlook and saying, oh, I'm destined to be injured again. But it's just that getting caught up in the moment, getting carried away when things start feeling good. So that's another particular lesson. And I will say, Art, um, you might have already, but if you haven't listened to the first 10 episodes, these are 10 principles to reduce your risk of injury. Um, have a listen self-reflect on those particular lessons and see if you're meeting those because that will definitely get you out of that, that pain cycle, that injury cycle. I hope that all makes sense. Thanks for submitting your question. Our third question for today comes in from Ken. I loved your latest podcast about shin splints having been diagnosed with a grade one stress reaction in May. At this point, I'm self-admittedly neurotic about overdoing my training for a marathon and getting a relapse. I ran four and five miles respectively this past weekend and took a rest day on Monday. Late yesterday and sporadically today, I felt tenderness in my previously injured shin. Here is my question. Would you say that this tenderness was mostly likely DOMS? If I felt zero pain during my easy run earlier today, it was so free of pain that I felt like I could actually end my run with some strides. Thank you. Thanks for submitting a question, Ken. Um, so we've got a history, grade one stress reaction, um, and marathon training, I guess I was struggling to come up with or sort of conceptualize the, um, sequence of events because I wasn't too sure when you posted this question, but I'll assume that. So Saturday, Sunday, you ran four and five miles consecutively, like you said, rest day, Monday, then ran on Tuesday and Wednesday, and then had some tenderness on the Wednesday. Um, and then I guess Thursday, everything was feeling great and that you could run and feel fine. Okay. So your question is, is this most likely DOMS? And we can start by saying, what is DOMS? DOMS is delayed onset muscle soreness. If anyone's ever been to the gym or done a new fitness class, um, aerobics or something, and the next day you just really sore through your muscles, most likely that would be delayed onset muscle soreness. It is the necessary process that the muscles go through to repair, get stronger, bounce back, and can tolerate, theoretically tolerate higher loads next time. So let's start with the first component of that. We're looking at delayed onset. So the delayed onset is usually 24 to 48 hours, depending on the person. I think everyone's different, but from what I've seen, most people 24 hours rather than 48 
Um, for me, sometimes it comes like really early. I don't know, for some reason, I don't know if it's something to do with genetics, but I seem to get DOMS really easily, really quickly and quite severe depending on how I train. But um, sometimes I'll do a chest press in the morning and I'm starting to feel DOMS later on that day. And I, I recognize it as DOMS. Um, sometimes I'll do really heavy lunges and just last week I said to my girlfriend, I'm already getting DOMS. I can tell, I'm already sore going upstairs. Um, it'd be like 10 to 12 hours later. And so then I'll wake up the next day and have full-blown DOMS, <laughs> um, which is fine. Like I overcome it in two days, which is normal. And I feel stronger. I actually feel like I get strong really quickly. Um, so that's just my individual experience. But so we're looking at de delayed onset, 24 to 48 hours. We're looking at the next component, which is muscle soreness. Delayed onset, muscle soreness. So we're not talking about soreness of fascia or tendons or ligaments or bones. If there is tenderness, localized tenderness to a tendon or a ligament, or if it's tender to press on the bone, in this case, the shins, it is not DOMS, it is something else. <laughs> um, because muscle soreness is usually very vague, uh, widespread throughout the muscle belly and, you know, not expecting you to know your anatomy, but this is um, the definition. So if it isn't the muscle, that could still be okay. Um, it could still be acceptable pain, uh, but it probably isn't DOMS. But when it isn't DOMS, then we need to follow our pain rules. So our pain rules for most running-related injuries, we'll talk about stress reactions in a second, but for most overuse running-related injuries, pain less than a 4 out of 10 during the activity, provided that it returns to baseline within 24 hours, provided that it gets better week by week. These are the pain rules that should be drilled into your mind because for 95% of the time, these are the, the rules that we follow to know that if our management plan is working. Pain during, less than a four, provided that it returns back to baseline within 24 hours. For some, I'll say 12 hours, but needs to have that trend of getting better week by week. Fitting in for a stress reaction like Ken's situation, um, we may need to take a different approach. If you have, if you're still undergoing a bone stress reaction and running is producing any sort of soreness, we want to cut that out because a bone stress reaction, if it's grade one and it's mismanaged, it can turn into a stress fracture, which then becomes quite serious and needs significant time off. We need to treat bone stress reactions and, and stress fractures a lot different to overuse injuries. So, um, Ken, you're saying like you've had pain and you know, you wasn't too sure if it was DOMS or not, but then you're back running and things are pain-free, assuming that it was pain-free afterwards as well. You know, pain is complex. Maybe it's hypervigilance. I know you said, especially for bone stress reactions, people are quite fearful to return back to activity and they're constantly thinking about it. That hypervigilance is through the roof. Every time they run, there's like, okay, what's my pain like? Afterwards, what's my pain like? The next day, what's my pain like? And delivering so much attention to that area can, you know, produce some symptoms, but then when distraction is created and then you're out for a run, you're not thinking about it, sometimes pain can go away. So am I going to attempt to know what is actually going on? I'm not going to say that, but I will say we need to follow these certain pain behaviors. 
maybe certain things within your training that does cause pain. Some things in your training might not cause pain. We'll gravitate towards those. Pain is complex, um, which is why this answer doesn't necessarily have probably the answer that you're after, Ken, but at least hopefully it provides some guidelines. Thanks, Ken, for submitting that. I have, I'll be reading out this question from Jacinta. Um, I had to answer this question because Jacinta tried to send a voice message and did mention that she has an old outdated phone and tried a couple of times to send it, eventually ended up sending it. It was completely muted, so no, no sort of voice got across. I just got a blank 22-second uh, voice message. <laughs> um, so thanks for trying, Jacinta. Um, I will do you the courtesy of answering your question because you tried so hard, so thank you very much. Um, Jacinta asks, are new or worn-in shoes better coming back from an overuse injury? So we're looking at returning from injury, shall I use new shoes or should I keep to my old shoes? To start off with, it will depend on the injury. It will depend on the severity. It will depend on, you know, the location of the injury. But, you know, we can rattle off this particular question with a few scenarios and see if we learn from it, I guess. Um, what are the benefits that you have from keeping to your old shoes, the shoes that are a little bit worn? Number one, the shoe has already adapted to you and you have already adapted to the shoe. That type of shoe that you've done a lot of mileage in, provided that the shoe wasn't what caused the injury in the first place, um, it's something that you've adapted to. It's something that you're used to. And when you are returning back from an injury, we don't want to change too many variables. If we say that your shoe is comfortable, if we say that you're used to that shoe and you find it, it's totally fine. Uh, we can then return back to your running, just adding in one variable at a time. It might be mileage, might be speed, might be terrain, but we want to deal with one at a time. And just adding in new shoes might just add a little bit more complexity. Um, so sometimes the old or worn shoes might be considered, and that's considering that the old shoes are still comfortable and how much wear and tear there actually is in that shoe, how old it actually is. Um, because some people say, yeah, it's old, I've had it for six months and there's a bit of wear and tear, and you look at it, it looks pretty new. So it probably doesn't need to be replaced. Um, so these are the benefits of persisting with a worn shoe. Um, but if the old shoe is changing your mechanics, if the old shoe is now uncomfortable, in those scenarios, you'd get rid of it straight away. It's too old. It's worn out in whatever properties, in whatever way. Time for some new shoes. What are the benefits of the new shoe? It may add additional support or like structure or um, cushion uh, depending on the injury. And it, depending on the injury, it might actually help your symptoms. So if we're looking at, um, let's just say the tibialis posterior tendon, it is the tendon that runs along the inside of your ankle and gets stretched when you pronate your foot. So if the shoe has less support, it's gonna put a little bit more stretch and theoretically a little bit more strain on that tendon. So if your injury is within that um, tibialis posterior tendon, then new shoes with a little bit more support, provided that the shoe itself is comfortable, might actually help that particular scenario. If you have plantar fasciitis, maybe a shoe with a higher um, 
more cushioning and more stack underneath the heel could theoretically help your symptoms. So these are the scenarios where it might be beneficial to have a new shoe as opposed to your old shoe. So we need to weigh it up, weigh up all the circumstances and evidence to sort of make that justification. But like I said um, in our earlier question, we want to make sure that the pain rules are followed. No matter what shoe you have, whether you go with old or new, we want to make sure that we're abiding to those pain rules, pain during, after, and week by week. Um, and if you do have both, if you do have a worn, a worn shoe and you also have some new shoes and you're deciding between the two, try them out. Like I would try running for 10 minutes in one shoe, 10 minutes in the other, and just pay attention to symptoms. Maybe one shoe offers a reduced, um, makes, falls the, the pain into more acceptable limits, whereas the other might push it out of those acceptable limits or outside of those pain rules that we're talking about. So a bit of trial and error could be um, useful if you do have access or if you've already gone and bought out new shoes and wondering what to use. I will finish by saying, Jacinta, that we need to remind ourselves of the most overuse injuries are due to training errors, not necessarily the shoe. So I know you're not saying this in your question, um, but we don't want to start blaming the shoes for the injury or for the lack of recovery um, because we can use them as tools, but in terms of the origin of the injury, in most cases, it's due to doing too much, too soon, something too abrupt, and the shoe itself um, may not even be a factor in your return. Sometimes the worn out shoe and the new shoe is just indifferent in terms of your, your recovery and bouncing back to pre-injury mileage. So just to remind ourselves of that particular um, lesson. So as a bit of a recap, as we go to the first question about Kim with um, the fear of returning to running, slowly increase your confidence by slowly increasing the level of function and the demand for that that area, whatever the injury is. For art, self-reflect on effort levels, uh, the 80-20 rule, maybe the 10% rule, building up the mileage week by week, um, just paying attention, going back to really easy basics to get yourself out of that pain cycle and just self-reflection, trying to do something that's a little bit more patient and I guess a little bit more sensible. For Ken's question, looking at DOMS, delayed onset muscle soreness, making sure that it fits within that characteristic to have your confidence to say, yes, this is DOMS, or this might be not DOMS, and I'll need to start paying attention to those pain rules. Then we have Jacinta with the older and new shoes. Might not even be a factor, but you can always just play around with the two and control all the other variables and see what your symptoms are like. Next week, we have another q and I'll actually be firing off five questions instead of today's four. And hope you enjoyed. Hopefully each lesson, each episode that you're listening to, you're sort of learning a little bit more about yourself and about the training principles. I'm very confident the next week will deliver the same amount of value. So until then, remember, every new insight brings you one step closer to your next running breakthrough. And that concludes another Run Smarter lesson. I hope you walk away from this episode feeling empowered and proud to be a Run Smarter scholar. Because when I think of runners like you who are listening, I think of runners who recognize the power of knowledge, who don't just learn, but implement these lessons 
who are done with repeating the same injury cycle over and over again, who want to take an educated, active role in their rehab, who are looking for evidence-based, long-term solutions and will not accept problematic quick fixes. And last but not least, who serve a cause bigger than themselves and pass on the right information to other runners who need it. I look forward to bringing you another episode and helping you on your Run Smarter path.